You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are doing great wherever you might be out there in Cougar Nation. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the Locked on Cougars podcast. We're going to look back in BYU football history as part of the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown we've been doing. We get into the 1970s, talking about the 1970s squad that featured some interesting guys on the team despite a lackluster record. We'll also talk about BYU football with some of the modern day players, Isaac Rex, as well as Dallin Holt. Volker had a chance to catch up with both of them and talk about BYU's tight end unit. We'll catch up with them. And of course, we'll catch you guys up on everything that's going on in BYU sports news. You probably saw it on social media. New locker rooms for the BYU football program. We'll share some thoughts on that as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. If you guys want player-specific breakdowns, lookbacks, look-aheads, no matter what it might be revolving around the NFL Draft, I would encourage you guys to check out the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcast, just like this one. All right, so without further ado, let's have some fun on a Tuesday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 22nd, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. A lot to get to ahead on today's show, but a reminder right off the top, make sure if you guys haven't done so to hit that follow button wherever you might be listening in from. But more importantly, if you don't mind doing so, please leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. We want those five-star ratings, what you guys like about the show, obviously. We'd like to have your guys' comments as well. And we're going to start giving away some gear and some rewards for those who've left their comments and concerns. We did this in the past. We'll get back to that in the coming weeks as well. So if you guys want to be entered to win some of that swag, we'll be giving away. Who knows what else we'll come up with. But make sure you leave us those ratings and reviews. As we always like to say, five stars only on the ratings. But put whatever you, put whatever you want in the comments. I, I really don't mind hearing your guys' feedback, both positive and or negative. So a big thank you once again for your support in that realm of the podcast sphere. Getting going here on a Tuesday, let's talk a little bit about the latest goings on with the BYU football program. And I think the biggest thing is brand new locker rooms. They were debuted yesterday on social media, players getting their first look at them. I think this is a great sign for the BYU football program, folks. For many, many years, many of us out there, yours truly included, have been crowing about the fact that BYU needed to invest in football. It's something that I believed would yield success for BYU and They finally did uh, some upgrades at the stadium, obviously, over the years. They've done different things there. The new uh, video boards coming in, the new sound system for this season. Well, this new locker room is going to be an absolute coup for BYU when it comes to their recruiting ranks because players in the modern age, they care about facilities. They care about swag. They care about how things look, how they're going to be taken care of at the university level. And as compared to what BYU's locker room was since they'd opened the SAB in, what, the early 2000s, This was the first time they'd upgraded the locker room. And I got to say, based on what I have seen from videos, I have not seen it in person. I doubt I ever will see it in person. 
But for what I saw from the videos of the release that BYU put out, it is an absolute first-rate setup for BYU's football players. Each locker has a shoe racks for their players, shoulder pads, helmets, all of that. It's got a safe. You can keep all your valuables in there. They got seats. The guys can relax. They have the shuffleboard still in the locker room that they had in the old locker room. That's a pretty much a player uh, favorite in BYU's program. Guys are playing that all the time if you follow them on social media. I think they hit every note they wanted to when it came to these new locker rooms. Are they the best things out there in the entire world? I'd venture to say they're right up there with them. And some of the amenities that other programs have installed, you can think back to when LSU debuted their stadium. They had nap pods for their players in each locker and all that stuff and individualized TV screens at Texas and that type of stuff. BYU is never going to be that that ostentatious. I, I can tell you that much. I know how BYU operates. Many of you listening to this podcast know how they operate. I think they did about as first-rated job as they could possibly manage without going too far over the top. They probably would have earned, I think, BYU admission administrators a little bit of a pause thinking okay are we sure we want to do this I think BYU has realized they need to invest in the player experience, especially when it comes to recruiting athletes and retaining them. Any more with the upcoming NIL legislation, not registration, legislation for name, image, and likeness, giving these players the opportunity to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. The transfer portal is ubiquitous now. Players can enter the portal tomorrow, find a new program to call home. You have to invest in these players and their experience if you want to have any hope of retaining them for the entirety of their collegiate career. Star players can decide, you know what, I'm out and leave tomorrow. That's simply the fact of the matter when it comes to the modern age of college football. You may not like it, I don't like it that much, but it's simply a fact of how things are going. And the fact that BYU has realized this has kind of been pushing forward, putting in their NIL plans right up there when BYU had their media day, in addition to now upgrading the stadium, upgrading the locker room yesterday. This has been, I think, a bunch of master strokes for the BYU football program, and it's going to pay dividends for them. That's my personal opinion on this. They're going to be able to go out and recruit these young men out there who might be prospective prospects prospective prospects where did that come from when they might be prospective student athletes they come into BYU they say these new locker rooms the players can attest to how great the facilities are when they're on their official visits speaking of the current players to these prospective student athletes all in all what it is is you're just trying to get yourself out there and compete with the best of the best BYU has stated ambitions they want to be an elite football program well stuff like this is kind of nodding their head towards yes we're going to go as far as we possibly can go will BYU ever be Clemson no will they ever be Alabama absolutely not but I think BYU within the parameters of what their athletic department uh, can do in terms of the constraints budget wise the constraints the LDS church puts on the program to a degree I think they're doing everything within their power now the one thing that I would like to see BYU upgrade next is expanding the coaching staff and the the support staff case expanding coaching staff that's NCAA legislated so there's the 10 coaches I'm talking more of the support staff have more recruiting people Every program in the state outside of BYU has multiple full-time employees who work in the recruiting realm. BYU, to my knowledge, have two guys that work full-time in the recruiting realm, and they also hold other titles. That's 
Jason Ayu, excuse me, as well as Jack DeMooney. They need more support in the support staff roles at BYU. So if they're going to continue to invest in this program and upgrade it, the next thing on the checklist for me is upgrading and expanding the support staff, giving more recruiting guys, bringing more analysts if possible. Uh, just make sure that Kalani Satake and his staff feel well taken care of because similar to the players, coaching staff can decide, you know what, we're out and BYU continues to have success under Kalani Satake. There are going to be more and more suitors for him to come and coach for those various programs, whatever it might be, especially at the Power 5 level. And we all know the resources and the pockets get much deeper if you move higher up in this sport. So BYU, do everything within your power to make Kalani feel appreciated, make sure he's taken care of, make sure his staff feels appreciated, and benefit from it. Plain and simple. That's simply how it goes in this day and age of college sports. All right, coming up next, we'll catch up with BYU tight ends. Isaac Rex, as well as Dallin Holker, had a great chat with them at BYU Football Media Day. Some great thoughts on the tight end unit. What a guy like Isaac Rex is looking to do in his second year, really starting for BYU, being a star for the program. And what does Dallin Holker expect to do now that he's coming back off of a mission? We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at May in folks if you guys are serious about cooking you need to invest in your kitchen tools i think many of you understand that it's the same with almost anything else made in's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs i tried their knife that they sent me and folks i don't cook a lot but it has been a marvelous addition to my kitchen at my home i cannot encourage you guys enough to give them a shot made in produces professional quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook they source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools of available directly to you guys, by the way, without the markup. That's the best part about this. Their products are made to last and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and easily go from the stove top to the oven. Their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced and stay sharp. I can attest to that. This knife has been awesome. They have 28,000 five-star reviews and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs, guys at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. So why not be like them? Made in has better cookware for better meals. Right now, Made is offering all of our listeners here on Locked On Cougars 15% off your first order with the promo code Locked On. You heard that right. L O C K E D O N. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made In products. Go to madeincookware.com slash locked on. And once again, you use that promo code Locked On for 15% off of your next order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on. Use that promo code Locked On. All right, my friends, as we continue on, looking back on BYU Football Media Day, I had a great chance to catch up with both Dallin Holker as well as Isaac Rex, two of BYU's tight ends, who figure in many people's minds to be the one-two tandem at tight end, considering what Isaac Rex did last year as a freshman for BYU, a freshman All-American campaign. Dallin Holker, as many of you might recall a couple years back before his LDS mission, was a revelation playing for that BYU football team. If he's in shape, folks, there's no reason to think that he can immediately contribute upon his return from the mission field playing for BYU on the gridiron. Well, I had a great chat with both of them. 1v2, I guess you, if you will, here on the podcast. So without further ado, here you go. Isaac Rex, in addition to Dallin Holker at BYU Football Media Day. Isaac, you had a breakout campaign last year. Uh, freshman All-American caliber type of a season. And I think a lot of it came due in part to that injury to Matt Bushman. What have you worked on this year that you want to show in your game? Honestly, I've, I feel like I've gotten 
more uh, better athlete since then. I've gotten more athletic. I've worked on my speed and strength. So I feel good in the weight room, but also mentally I'm watching a lot more film. And last year I I just was kind of caught off guard. You know, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot because I knew Matt was the number one, and Matt deserved to be the number one, of course. He was a freshman All-American also, but a three-year three, three year starter, and Matt was, um, was going to kill it. But... Um, yeah, I feel like I have just I've improved a really good amount. So um, on, I feel like my spring ball went really well, but now I feel more in shape since after the season, and I'm excited to go. Okay, Dylan, you probably saw what he did last year. I think a lot of people remember what you did as a freshman before you went on your mission. What have you worked on since getting home? Uh, just kind of getting comfortable with my body again. Um, just trying to get back into shape and. Uh, you know, when you get back, it's a little weird. It's different. And, you know, every year, like, since you're younger, you just I've always play sports. And, and on the mission, you just walk. But, I, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't need to walk here. So Where did you serve? I was in Chile. And, okay. and then I went to Washington also. Okay. So just really getting my legs back and, and getting back into it so I can feel comfortable and, and confident. This tight end room, I look at it, and you guys seem to just be there's a lot of different guys who can contribute in different ways. What do you guys uh, make of how Steve Clark has kind of gone about, I guess, doling out reps and making sure you guys know what you guys need to work on? I'll start with you, Isaac. Um, Coach Clark is a man. He's he's brutally honest with us, but honestly, he has made me so much better. He's made Don so much better, I feel like, in his freshman year. And he really cares about us, and he loves the tight ends so much. So uh, Coach Clark, he's a great coach, but um, he knows his stuff also. He's not just, like, out there. Uh, yelling at us like he teaches us specifically what we need to do better and and he points it out in film and he's just a good good overall uh, tight end coach Dallin, your thoughts yeah for sure i think he's uh coach Clark is you know he's easy to to talk with and you know we, like you were saying there's so many different personalities and different talents that we have and so he's like he's a perfect guy just to help us all together and to come together Mason Wake is a guy that I am fascinated by just because he is such a unique athlete. Uh, there's the Air Wake nickname that's out there because he likes to jump over people like and does it with reckless abandon, it feels like. Can you guys give me a little... I, I, maybe, Dallin, you don't know necessarily as well, but Isaac, can you give us a little bit of an insight into who he is as a person? Mason's a man. He's a goofball. He's he's kind of crazy, but he's, that's what a fullback needs to be. He's He'll go in there. He'll hit you. He'll uh, jump over you. He'll catch the ball. He can do it all as a fullback. So I think he's definitely the best fullback in the nation. I would call Mason like that. But, um, but like, outside of football, he's just a goofball. He's hilarious, and he just jokes around with us. And all the tight ends and fullbacks are super close. So it's funny to have Mason, Mason there. Okay, Dallin, I want to ask you, what's the biggest difference between when you were here before your mission versus right now? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – Besides, I don't know, it's, it's weird seeing different people, like, uh, coming in as a freshman. I got to finally know everybody. It was weird because I came in, didn't know anybody, and then I got to know everybody, then I left, and I come back, and there's still so many, like, new faces and, and different people. Um, so I definitely think the program has changed a lot, and just, like, the people, too. It's, it's been weird trying to get back and getting to know everybody again, but it's been fun. Going into this year, I think a lot of people wonder how it will be what he's going to replace Bushman's production. Obviously, he didn't have it last year, but he had it the three years previous to that. But in addition to that, Dax Mill. 
thousand yard season, was a breakout star. Do you guys feel like as tight ends, you guys can be part of that solution? Oh, for sure. We'll we'll help on any facet of the of the game. Run blocking. We'll help uh, whoever the running back is um, get some big holes. We'll help uh, get open for whoever the quarterback is, and we'll help block for the um, wide receivers. But you know, it's like we'll do it all as tight end group, and we just care about uh, the team and how we're um, going to do, you know, and the overall scheme of things. So I'm excited. I feel like we can definitely contribute in so many different ways. Isaac, you're more of a traditional tight end, and I think in the true sense of the word. Dallin, we saw your role at BYU when you were as a freshman, more of kind of an H-back type of a deal. Do you kind of see yourself reprising that, or do you want to make yourself into what Isaac is? Uh, really just be the best I can be, and whatever helps out the team, I'll just do that. <laughs> okay. So we got the nickname the Elk here. <laughs> Have you heard that? Yeah. Okay. So. You never heard that. Okay. <laughs> so, you, down. This is the first time you're hearing of this. Okay, Isaac. Do you fit, do you want to fill him in? <laughs> so the Elk. Some person literally on Twitter probably put up a picture of an Elk. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hansen. Said, Jeff Hansen. Yeah. You put a picture of an elk and start selling t-shirts. <laughs> and everyone's like, I'm pretty sure everyone kind of clowned on him. Everyone's like, that makes no sense. Like, he literally has Rex on the back name. Just call him like a T-Rex or something. <laughs> but it actually is kind of, He's he made a good point. Like, a elk is big and it runs. It like gallops. And that's kind of what I do, so. Okay, <laughs> well, let me add to this, Dallin. Apparently, Mama and Papa Rex have bought into this. My mom's invested. She's invested. My mom, the greatest woman in the world, and she loves nicknames, and she never thought of me as an elk. And so when that came up, she was all in 100%. My mom loves the name of the elk. My dad, yeah, he, he goes along with it. And I think they called him, like, Byrannosaurus uh, Rex yes. back in the yes, day. they did. Which is pretty good. You can't say it. I, I guess you like... I am old enough to remember that nickname. Yes, Byrannosaurus Rex, which is pretty... That's pretty good. But the elk, it's like pretty, pretty good also in a different way, as in kind of funny. But Dallin, do you have a nickname at all? No, I don't have a nickname. <laughs> Nobody ever called you like the Hulk or anything like that. Oh, uh, they did like, like a little bit <laughs> in high school. They would, but the Hulk. Nothing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it kind of lends itself. I just, I just wonder if you would ever given anything. I, I knew your coach at Lehigh for a time, and I never asked him that question if you were ever given anything. Yeah. Like that, so. um, people would joke around and say stuff like the Hulk, but <laughs> nothing <Okay>. like <laughs> nothing too too Hulk crazy. So the Elk and the Hulk. <laughs> Go with it. I'm done. All right, last couple of things from me, guys, is obviously last year, and you can speak to this more, Isaac, you probably saw the national conversation. BYU hasn't played anybody. They've been playing a Power 5 team, blah, 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 blah. What about this season with seven Power 5 teams, etc.? Do you think, okay, we're going to go out and we can play. We can play with these guys. Yeah, we may have been had to put a schedule together that didn't have a Power 5 team last year, but we can go out and prove we can play with the big boys. Oh, yeah, I know we can compete with anyone in the nation, I feel like, but um, yeah, that was kind of a, cop- a topic of conversation for some uh, college football analysts. But, um, you know, this is going to be the year that we show them that we can compete with whoever's on the schedule and whoever they put in front of us. So I'm excited for the schedule a ton, and there's going to be a lot of fans in the state- stadiums. And so it's going to be a, definitely a, a great year, and I'm really excited. Dallin, your last experience, obviously, you did play some Power 5 teams. Are you excited to get back to that playing that quote-unquote big-time football? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's what it's all about is to go out and try to be the best and want to play the best. So it'll be fun. Uh, It'll be a fun season.
Okay, I got my last thing from you. I need I need something on Coach Clark. Like I need something funny or something you guys have on him. So I'm gonna ask both of you. I'm gonna start with you, Isaac. You probably had more recent experiences with him. Go ahead. Um, Coach Clark. So he's actually kind of dyslexic, and so sometimes he doesn't like know his lefts from his rights and he tries to like coach us on signals and he does the complete wrong thing so when whenever we say like whenever he does signals or anything he's like okay i'm not doing them anymore because i'm not gonna like screw it up for you guys so um he also um but yeah he's he's really good with x's and o's but sometimes his lefts and rights are a little off sometimes fair enough dallin uh you have to ask him why he he runs to work on Fridays instead of driving. He's he, he gets really mad when he drives, so his, his wife doesn't let him drive the car. <laughs> <laughs> so his wife has to pick him up, and so he has to run to work sometimes. <laughs> okay. Well, gentlemen, thanks for taking the time. It was good to catch up with both of you. Of course, thanks. Thank Appreciate you. it. There you go. Both the Hulk and the Elk. Dallin Holker, as well as Isaac Rex, big thank you to them for taking the time to join us here on Locked On Cougars. That was a great conversation, some great thoughts on what they expect to do this fall, and really funny to hear about Steve Clark. I have to ask Coach Clark about the running to work on Fridays. I'm going to have to ask him about that. That's a really, really funny story. I need more on that. But the next time I talk to Steve Clark, probably during BYU fall camp, I'll catch up with him, and you can guarantee that question will come up the next time I speak with him. All right, once again, a big thank you to both Dallin Holker and Isaac Rex. We'll have more of these interviews over the coming days and weeks, as I promised. I had a number of them I got last Thursday at BYU's football, BYU football's media day they have every single summer. All right, coming up next, though, we'll wrap up the show looking back in BYU football history. The 100 seasons of BYU football countdown continues. Looking back at 1970 for the Cougars, what happened? Who are the standout players? Mel Olson will also rejoin us to talk a little bit about this period. We'll get to all of that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar folks they are the best tasting protein bars ever and i mean that sincerely what is your favorite built bar flavor i want to ask you guys those of you that have tried them please respond to us at locked on cougars on facebook instagram or twitter our social media feeds we love to hear your guys's favorite flavors my favorite flavors among their nine base flavors cherry barcia far and away is my favorite i am a sincere fan of that flavor i think it's absolutely phenomenal there's also ones like double chocolate i'm a big fan of peanut butter brownie in addition to coconut almond i think coconut almond tastes as close to an almond joy that you will get without having an actual almond joy the best part about built bars they're not like an almond joy where it's not very good for you they are actually very healthy high protein high fiber low calorie low sugar that's what i love about them they're the perfect complement wherever you might be in your health journey so check them out guys go to builtbar.com to place your order now while you're there use the promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your next order you heard that right locked 15 for 15 percent off your order at builtbar.com get there get those bars ordered and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with built bar all right before we go here on a tuesday edition of the show let's look back in byu football history as part of the 100 seasons of byu football countdown we break into the 1970s today talking about the 1970 campaign for the cougars let's be honest this is not a great season if you look back at the record byu overall as a team three and eight in the 
season. Just not one of the campaigns you'll ever write home about, especially after he'd gone 2-8 in 1968. And we talked about 1969 yesterday. Amidst all the different things going on around the program, they carved out a 6-4 and four record. Well, they fell right back down to earth in 1970. And the Cougars obviously will have to rebuild. And we'll talk about 1971 and the beginning of the end for Tommy Hudspeth at the helm of the BYU football program, uh, getting ready for the Lavelle Edwards era to begin in 1972. But in the season in 1970, BYU opened it up with a nice win against North Texas, 10 to 7. But then what ensued was a five game losing streak for the Cougars. Beginning at Western Michigan, they were crushed 35 to 17. They suffered their only shutout loss of the season the following week against UTEP at home, 17 to nothing. Then they went to San Diego State and lost 31 to 11 in front of nearly 37,000 fans at San Diego Stadium down there in the, what, America's best cities, what they still call themselves in San Diego. Then they went to Arizona, lost that game 24 to 17, and then finished up this five game losing streak with a drubbing 27 to 3 against number 12 ranked Arizona State. That was a 27 to 3 loss, as I mentioned. Then what ensued was the only winning streak for the season for BYU. They beat Utah State 27 to 20, followed that up a week later with a win over Wyoming 23 to 3. By the way, Wyoming, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast, if you happen to hear it, they were nationally ranked, I think ranked number 16 in the country when BYU faced them and the whole Black 14 incident took place. Well, they went into a free fall. Wyoming finished dead last in the conference, 1-6 overall, 1-9 in the conference, a year after being ranked in the top 20. Think about that. What a fall from grace for Lloyd Eaton and his program. BYU tied with Wyoming at the bottom of the Western Athletic Conference, finishing in 7th, I think by virtue of the fact that they were 3-8 and eight on the year as compared to 1-9. and nine. The final three games of the year were all on the road for BYU and more of what we expected from the season took place. They were beaten at Colorado State 26-9, absolutely smoked by New Mexico 51-8, and then finished the year in a nail-biter losing to Utah 14-13 in their final game of the season. So just a rough season overall for the Cougars as they try to bounce back in 1971. We'll talk about that, the final year of the Tommy Hudspeth era on tomorrow's podcast. Let you know a little bit more about who Coach Hudspeth was and just overall what to take away from his tenure as head coach of the BYU football program. Now, some notable players from the 1970 team, despite that lackluster record, include some of the great names you're going to remember for BYU football history if you've studied it at all. Golden Richards was a sophomore on this team. He went on to have an absolutely stellar career in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk more about him tomorrow in 1971. Chris Ferrisopoulos, the galloping Greek himself, was a senior on this team. He was named all-whack and just absolutely marvelous all-American type campaign as a returner for BYU. We'll get to more on the galloping Greek here in a moment. But other players to note from this team included Pete Van Valkenburg, Many of you will remember his name, obviously a standout running back from BYU football history. He was a sophomore on this team, very much became a household name as he became BYU's leading rusher during the 1970 season. In addition to that, other guys to pay attention to were some unsung heroes like Ken Sirk, who was an offensive guard chosen for the first team all-whack, as well as Gerald Meyer, defensive tackle, who was first team all-whack in his own right. So there were a bunch of guys who had very good seasons for BYU in 1970 to despite that 3-8 and eight record. And obviously, as a, as a 
player, you would have liked to have a better record overall. In addition uh, to the unsung heroes, there was some standout performances. We had guys like Dan Hansen. He was second team all whack after eight interceptions. Ferrisopoulos, uh, speaking of the galloping Greek, had four on the season. He's finishing second on the team in interceptions. But one notable thing here, Ted Nelson, a linebacker for BYU on this team, tallied 173 tackles for the Cougars, nearly 50 more than his closest uh, teammate, Jeff Lyman, who had 124. As you mentioned, Gerald Meyer had 121 tackles in his own right and six tackles for loss. That's the reason why he was named first team all whack. But very, very impressive numbers across the board for many of these guys. But the biggest thing is BYU is beset by injury. I believe, according to what I read, 10 regular starters injured at different points during the season just absolutely hampered BYU's ability to string anything consistent together. I did have a chance, though, to catch with, up with Mel Olson, who was a coach on this squad. He'll talk about how his transition from playing, graduating in 1969, immediately taking to the coaching ranks went, in addition to some thoughts now on Chris Ferrisopoulos. So here you go. More with Mel Olson. We'll continue to hear from him over the coming weeks as we talk about his coaching career moving forward. But without further ado, let's finish up today's show letting you hear from Mel Olson on Chris Ferrisopoulos as well as his beginning of his coaching tenure in 1970. I want to talk about your coaching career at BYU here in a moment. I want to ask okay. you about Chris Ferrisopoulos, the Galloping Greek. A lot of people know these great nicknames. There's Eldon the Phantom Four tie from BYU history. Uh, but the Galloping Greek, to me, is one of the great nicknames in BYU history. Can you fill us in a little bit about who Chris Ferrisopoulos was as a player and a person? You know, I probably didn't know him as well because basically he came to play football you know, during the time that I was on my mission. Mm -hmm. And he was here, you know, and I think it was his senior year when I got back off my mission. Great football player. You know, he's a great athlete, a great football player. And and he had a standard all of his own, you know, as far as defensive backs and punt returns and all those things we take for granted. His children are back now, and that's what you probably heard about, that his daughter, I think it's, going to BYU or just graduate from BYU. So he still has, you know, good feelings about BYU. And uh, he was just a great athlete. <laughs> I guess that's all I can say. And I think he had two great years when I was on my mission, and I had a benefit of knowing him, you know, when we were both seniors after I got back. And he returned a punt against Arizona for a touchdown in the Hell Cup's Lonely Game. And uh, a great person. He's a great person. Absolutely. Okay, so... You mentioned a little bit earlier on that after you after you finished playing football in 1969, you were offered a position on Tommy Hudspeth's staff in 1970. Uh, what led you to get into coaching? Was it the, was it somebody on the coaching staff who said, "Hey, Mel, you may want to check this out"? Like, what led you into the coaching ranks? Well, that's always what I wanted to do when I went to uh, uh, Brigham Young University uh, and went into the field of study. You know, I was into physical education, and my goal was is to uh, coach. You know, and so when I came off my mission and graduated, well, then basically I had a coaching job uh, that would have been with H.G. Linford, who was one of the coaches that was leaving BYU to go up to the new high school and install like Cottonwood. Uh-huh. And then one of the coaches during the summer, Chris Apostle, decided to not coach, and he got into a, a, a resort up in, up in Auckland, and so a spot came open, and then Tommy asked me if I would uh, if I, I would like to do that, and it's a it's a lifelong dream because if you graduate and you want to go into coaching, you know obviously your steps are usually the 
you know, the high school and JC and do great and be lucky, you know. So I felt very honored to be able to do that. And then it allowed me to be a part of, you know, the freshman when Tommy was there. And then, of course, when the headman took over, well, then uh, I was, I coached the freshman, you know, for a couple of years. And then I was with the offensive line and, and uh, we had a great run with the headman. All right, folks, that will do it. Big thank you to Mel Olson for taking the time. As always, as I mentioned, we'll hear more from him in the coming weeks as we talk about the Lavelle Edwards era that he was a coach under for many, many years. In addition to that, big thank you to both Isaac Rex as well as Dallin Holker for taking the time to join us on the podcast as well. Good to catch up with them. And most of all, thank you to all of you. You guys are the best. Make sure to follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. Or as always, you can feel free to reach out via email locked on byu at gmail.com is the email address all right folks have a great rest of your tuesday whenever you hear this and we'll be back with you guys again soon this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 22nd 2021 and we will talk to you guys tomorrow